We are, we are in the middle of this three-week series where we're considering the nature of the church in, a, in the midst of a, a COVID world. And it's convenient, it's easy, it's, it's quicker and simpler to say that we're in a post-COVID world, but that's actually not the reality, is it? To, to talk of being post-COVID is, is to recognise that, yes, we may, be, we may be past a peak in our kind of response and awareness to it. To say post-COVID might be to, to recognise that it's not as front and centre for most of us uh, as it is for, for some, um, most of us anymore. But really, I think to talk about post-COVID is, is more a reflection of our desire and our, um, <clears throat> our desire that we, we just want to be post-COVID. We want to move on and move on with our lives without this, but that's not the reality. So... Um, we're then talking today not about worship in a post-COVID church, because that's not accurate, but to talk about worship in the midst of COVID as it continues to uh, affect us. One of the things that people said time and time again throughout uh, the times when we were only online, or if we were meeting just in a small gathering, is that what, what they missed was corporate worship. What they missed was this singing with a large group of the gathered church. And let's be honest, singing along to the TV, (laughs) fundamentally weird. (laughs) Like, we'll just call it what it is, hey? And that's assuming you even tuned in, which is also fair to say. That's all history now, right? You know, because we're now we're we're back in the building, we're back with other people, we're we're back with a, a a full music team, and we can just get back to worship like it was before, can't we? But it's not like it was before, because we're not. COVID has had and continues to have a huge impact on us. COVID ripped away all of our sense of certainty and control. COVID robbed us of our usual sources of stability and security. We are profoundly affected by it, and we're we're not the same as we were. COVID has affected us in a range of ways. Burnout, anxiety and depression, social disconnection, financial strain, distrust of others, maybe in particular distrust of government, And for for some, we could even say COVID has been traumatic. And we are naive to think if this doesn't have flow-on effects to our relationship with God and to faith and to the church. Because we are are whole people. We can't kind of compartmentalise the COVID experience over here and have that as separate from our worship of God over in this space. And so as we consider that, there's a saying that I think that came from the Puritans that says... The same sun that melts the ice bakes the clay. In other words, the experience of COVID could be one that softens us, that melts us towards God, because we've had to throw ourselves in greater need and dependence and trust in Him. When when all of our other securities have been ripped away, we've had to throw ourselves all the more on God. And so the experience of COVID has softened us, has melted us, or... It's hardened us against him. To, to change analogies, in, in Celtic spirituality, there's this idea of thin places 
which are, are places where, where kind of the border between heaven and earth seem to be thin and, and permeable. Places on, on earth where the presence of the divine can be particularly felt and experienced in a way not so in other areas. And I want to suggest that the COVID experience could be a thin place for us. It could be a place where we become that much more aware of God and his presence and his work in our lives and in the world around us. Or it could go the other way and become a thick place where heaven just seems so distant and so removed from our experience. But either way, Either way, COVID affects and impacts our worship of God. It can make us like melted ice in a thin place, seeing God all the more clearly and responding Him with, with tenderness. Or it could bake us into hard, thick clay that is resistant to and distant from God and His works and His ways. Either way, COVID impacts our worship of God. And so what I want us to do today is to look together at the person of Job in the Bible. Though the details are different, he, like us, lived in unprecedented times. And so I want us to look to him and to see how he responded to those times, and particularly how he responded to God. In the opening verses of the book that bears his name, we learn that Job was someone who feared God and who turned away from evil. He was a guy, I want to say, more or less like us. He was trying to follow God and to live in a way that pleased and honoured him. And as would have been the case for most of us pre-COVID, life was going well for Job. But then he was hit by this series of unprecedented events. And the first was that his 500 oxen and, and donkeys... 500 donkeys, 500 oxen were all stolen from him in a raid by the Sabaeans, who also killed all the servants who had been watching over the animals, except for the one who managed to escape and to come and report the news. And then while that servant was reporting this to Job, another rushed into Job's presence to tell him that a freak lightning storm had burnt up his 17,000 sheep, as well as then the servants who had been with them, except for this one who managed to survive and to come and report the news. Well, then thirdly, while that servant was still talking, another came to report that Job's 3,000 camels had been stolen in a raid by the Chaldeans, who also killed all the servants that were there with the animals, except for this one who managed to survive and escape to come and report the news. I mean, though the details are different, I mean, it gives me flashbacks to... 2020 and the experience of daily checking the news and watching the press conferences to find out the latest detail of cases and restrictions and impacts and all of that and where day after day just seemed to get worse and for Job it did because then a fourth servant comes into Job and tells him that, that all his seven sons and his three daughters they'd been eating together at the eldest son's house when then a powerful windstorm suddenly kicked up and blew in the walls of the house so it collapsed on all his children with only then this one servant managing to survive and escape to report the news. And Job's world implodes. He loses all sense of 
control and all sense of stability. In blow after repeated blow, he experiences loss and pain upon loss and pain. Grief, depression, anxiety, confusion, doubt, fear, uncertainty, insecurity, loss of income, loss of relationship, trauma. His world is rocked by circumstances that are wildly out of his control. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? And so the same sun that melts the ice bakes the clay. And so which way does it go for Job? Well, we read this in chapter 1, verse 20. At this, having heard the last piece of news, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. And then he fell to the ground in worship. There's no denial of the reality of uh, of the reality and the pain and the difficulty of what Job experienced. He, he tore his robe, he shaved his head in, in his grief and in his distress. And in the midst of that, he worshipped. Now it's worth defining what we mean when we talk about worship. Because I don't think he was cracking out his guitar and singing some songs. Now at its simplest, worship is, is our response to a revelation of God. When we behold God, when we grasp something of his character and nature, when we're, when we're gripped by the wonder of the gospel, when he in some way is revealed before us, we then respond to that. This is our worship. And our, our response then takes the form of prayers and of praise. It takes the form of songs, but also of silence. Sometimes we bow down before him. Other times we're raising our hands. Our, our worship is also expressed in the, in the day-to-day realities of our lives as we submit and obey God in all things. Worship is our response to God, to, to who He is and, and to what He has done. And it's the various ways in which we rightly recognize that He is God and we're not. And so we ascribe to Him the, the worth and the honor that He deserves. Worthship is kind of some of the origin of the word. And this is exactly then what Job does. He worships. He responds to God because in the events that have befallen him, he has had a revelation of God. And so he responds to that appropriately in worship. So how is it that Job, in the midst of such unprecedented experiences, how is it that he could respond in such a way? Because he easily could have gone the other way and become hardened and resistant and and kind of rejected God. I think there's at least five things that we can learn from Job. Uh, Ways in which he responded to God in the midst of his circumstances that that could inform and shape us as we respond to God in the midst of COVID. We see the first of these as, as Job continues. Having fallen to the ground in worship, he then says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In in this expression, I I think Job simply recognises that God is God. He recognises that he came into this world with nothing and he's going to leave the world the same way. And that anything that he has in the meanwhile is a gift from God. And God, as God, 
is perfectly entitled to give and to take away. That Job has no merit or claim on anything. Job is not God. He's not ultimately the master of his life, let alone of his world. God is God. And as such, he's the one who's worthy of praise. See, before COVID, it was easy to fall into thinking that we were the masters of our lives. We had stable employment and steady income. We could buy and build our houses. We could plan and go on our holidays. We could send the kids off to school and then do what we wanted. We could zip across the border. And we could eat wherever we wanted with whoever we chose to. And then COVID came. And all of that ground to a halt. We lost control of our worlds. We couldn't plan our holidays because we didn't even know if we were going to be able to go. We couldn't get married. Well, we could, but just no one could come. And at its worst, like at its worst, we couldn't even go to Bunnings. We lost control of our world. And even now, even now, we are not free to do as we please. I mean, I tried to do a pastoral visit to someone in hospital the other day, and I rock up, and I find out they've already had their one allotted visitor for the day. Or almond milk was on sale at Arnold's the other week. Milk Lab almond milk, so so the good stuff. And, And friends of ours who go through a lot of it, they couldn't get there because they were in isolation. Or I was talking to someone recently who, who had had COVID and, and was now over it and so was you know, immune and clear and all that kind of stuff. And he was attending a conference, but he did not dare to cough in the, in the gathered room, but rather had to rush out. I mean, they're, they're small examples, but they illustrate the ways in which COVID has made it very clear to us that we are not in control. Proverbs 9, uh, 16, 9 says that in their hearts, humans plan their course, but it's the Lord who establishes their steps. And this has been our experience. We have made our plans, but it's God who then determines what actually happens. He's the one who is really on the throne. And so I want to say that COVID helps us to realize that God is God and that we are not. And this, as this realisation did for Job, seeing this reality helps us to humble ourselves before him and to worship. And Job also realises, yeah, in having realised you know, through his experiences that God is the one who is God, that despite the sudden change in his circumstances, God hasn't changed. See, things got worse for Job. I mean, we've seen blow after blow after blow come already, but they got worse because he then was personally, physically afflicted with terrible boils all over his body. And his wife, seeing that he yet maintained faith in God, his wife told him to curse God and die. Bit of solidarity there from the missus. In other words, she said, just give up on God because he clearly seems to have given up on you. 
chapter 2, verse 10. He replied, You're talking like a foolish woman. Should we accept good from God and not trouble? And in all this, Job did not sin in what he said. See, God was still to be trusted, even though he seemed to be bringing bad into Job's life. And I think this can be a real challenge for us, can't it? I mean, we're happy to have faith in God, and we're happy to come and worship him and all that when things are going well, when it's all as as we would like it to be. But when circumstances change, we suddenly question God. And I get the instinct. I, I do this too. But Job reminds us that if we're happy to accept the good from God, We should just as readily accept the the trouble because God is the same God either way. See, here's the thing. The pandemic has not changed God. As the writer to Hebrews says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. God is the same. He has not changed. What has changed is our nice, safe comfortable, meet all my needs concept of God that we have. What's changed is that God has burst out of the nice little box that that we like to keep him in. That reminds me of what C.S. Lewis writes in in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Mr. Beaver, telling the the child Susan about Aslan, says that he's, he's a lion, you know, the lion, the great lion. And Susan, having expected Aslan to be a man, expresses nervousness about meeting a lion and and asks if he's quite safe. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe, but he's good. Likewise, Job realizes and the pandemic prompts us to realize that God is not safe. He's not predictable. He doesn't do what we want. He's not necessarily nice, but he's good. And that goodness is manifested in both the good he brings into our lives and in the trouble. So the pandemic may have prompted us to harden our hearts against God, but all those things that we believe about God in the good times, in his sovereignty, in his mercy, in his grace, in his compassion, in his kindness, in his presence, in his goodness, all those things we believe about him in the good times remain true even in the midst of COVID. God hasn't changed. But COVID has forced us to see him perhaps more accurately for who and for how he is. That he's not a tame kitten, but that he's a lion. And I want to say that a lion is far more worthy of our worship than a kitten. But having said that, our response to God doesn't need to deny the reality of our experience. God wants our honesty because he wants all of us. He doesn't want just the polite mask that we put on. He wants us as we we truly are. And so just as we need to accept trouble as well as the good from God, God wants the same from us. He wants our our happy, pleasant thoughts as well as the, the struggles and the angst and the anguish. Look at what Job expresses in chapter 3. After this, Job opened his mouth and he cursed the day of his birth. He said, may the day of my birth perish. And the night that said a boy is conceived, that day may it turn to darkness. 
May God above not care about it. May no light shine on it. May, may gloom and utter darkness claim it once more. May, may a cloud settle over it. May blackness overwhelm it. Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? Why were there knees to receive me and breasts that I might be nursed? For, for now I would be lying down in peace. I would be asleep and at rest. Why is life given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? For sighing has become my daily food. My groans pour out like water. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness, no rest, but only turmoil. These are the, the honest words of a man who is struggling. And Job, Job isn't holding back. He's not um, trying to pretend like things are okay. Rather, he's sharing his honest thoughts and emotions as he navigates the new realities of his life. For worship, which is our topic today, for worship to be worship, it has to be genuine and, and real. And this is what Job expresses here. See, as God reveals himself to us, and as he's done to Job, our response will not always be pretty. It won't always be sanitized. But God wants our honesty. Over a third of the Psalms are songs of lament. I mean, there's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. We're not to plaster a smile over our difficult experiences, nor are we to pretend like our, our doubts, our questions, our, our wrestles with God don't exist. Rather, we are to be honest with ourselves and with God. God wants the real us. Because otherwise, he's actually not relating to us at all. Uh, unless we're honest with him, he's just relate, like it's just a, I don't know what it is. But it's not us. Now, we don't do this well in the church. I want to put this out there. Um, I suspect maybe, maybe liturgical churches might do this better, but, but certainly my experiences of church, we don't have much space in our corporate gatherings for, for lament and for grief and for struggle. And, and to be honest, because it's been outside of my experience, I'm not even sure how we could do that. But I do want to say that for those, for those times in COVID and, and in life in general, but for those times in COVID when you've gathered with God's people and we've publicly acted like, like life is not hard and that all is well in the world, or when we've communicated to you in, in some way that you just need to smile your way through your pain and mouth the cliches so as to not make anyone else feel uncomfortable, I want to say to you, I'm, I'm sorry that that has been the experience. Corporately, uh, we need to do better at this. And one of the things David and I have reflected throughout this year, and, and we find sometimes, maybe more, uh, I don't know, I could be out of place saying this, but, but sometimes Sunday mornings are hard work. Like that there's, whether it's the team or, or us preaching, we're up here and we're, we're giving it our all, and it's, sometimes it, it feels like it's crickets out, out there. And this is not... <laughs> I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have gone there, really. <laughs> this is not, not a judgment. 
But my reflection as I've worked through this is maybe, maybe this is why. Because up here we've been just going about as if things are, are fine and good when actually they're not, perhaps. That there is grief and struggle and pain and we've not rightly acknowledged that. And so, of course, there's going to be you know, pushback, you know, if you like. Maybe. Maybe you just need to, you know, warm up a bit more and get, have more coffee. I, I don't know what it is. In short, though, I think we need to do better at acknowledging lament. And I want to say that while God's people, us, may not do so well with it, that God himself, he wants our honesty. He wants the realness. Otherwise, our worship is just empty words. And having said all of that, though, part of the beauty of the church is that God doesn't leave us by ourselves. We read in verse 11 of chapter 2 of Job, when Job's three friends... Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuite, and Zophar, the Namathite, heard about all the troubles that had come upon him. They set out from their homes and they met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. And though he's not named here, there's also a younger friend named Elihu who comes. And these friends come alongside Job and they just sit with him in silence for seven days. They made sure that... He didn't suffer alone. And though not explicitly so, they were the means of God's presence and support to him. God doesn't leave us by ourselves. Now, if you know the story of Job, you know that the the friends, they eventually opened their mouths and then things went south. But but here, here it was good. Yeah, But as we consider this topic of worship in the midst of COVID, the body of the church not only sit together with us in the hard times, as what happened here for Job, but they also uphold us throughout it. Paul tells the Colossians that the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. He says something similar to the Ephesians when he says, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we gather as the church in the midst of our pain. We surround ourselves with others who sing the things that we can't. We surround ourselves with others who can declare the truths that we are struggling to believe. We surround ourselves with others who can encourage us with their steadfastness even as we wobble. And that's why We actually do want to hear the person next to us and and behind us, however off-pitch that they might be, because it's their faith, it's their worship that carries us through and, and it speaks to us and for us. We can be like the, the man who said to Jesus, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. See, when we gather as part of the church in the midst of our pain, we declare, 
I believe. And when we surround ourselves with others who are singing and praying and declaring, we're saying, please help me overcome my unbelief. May your faith carry me through this until my own kicks in again. It's like what Joshua did, uh, Joshua and Hur did for Moses as the Israelites fought the Amalekites back in Exodus 17. When Moses' hands were raised, the Israelite army was winning. But there's only so long he could keep his arms up and he'd get tired and, he'd, and they'd drop. And the Israelites would start to lose. So Joshua and Hur sat Moses down. One held one arm, one held the other, and sustained Moses through that time. And so then the Israelites could win. They did for Moses what he couldn't do for himself. That's what God provides for us in the church. He does not leave us alone. And of course, we see this supremely, don't we, in Jesus? Jesus, who is Emmanuel, God with us, who in his final words on earth promises that he will be with us always, even to the end of the age, even in the midst of a pandemic, even in the midst of unprecedented times, always. Lastly then, a fifth way in which Job, I think, leads us to uh, and helps us to worship in the midst of an unprecedented time like COVID is that it is through the experiences that Job goes through that he has a revelation that God is bigger than he can grasp. At, at the end of the book, the space between heaven and earth grows mighty thin and God speaks directly to Job. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it, when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness? When I fixed, fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place? When I said, this far you may come and no further. Here is where your proud waves halt. And God goes on like this over the course of four chapters, leaving Job and us with just this overwhelming impression that there is no one like our God. He defies all of our expectations and our limitations. And so in the midst of, of God's revelation, Job responds. He says, oh, I'm unworthy. How can I reply to you? I, I put a hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice and I'll say no more. In other words, before God and his might, before God and his purposes in the world, before God, who is God, and in the face of his own mere humanity, Job responds in humility and in silence. He is just in awe before God. And as God concludes, Job then says, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. So therefore I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. See, through his experiences, Job had a, has had a fuller revelation of God. And he submits his life in worship afresh to this God who he knows and understands more clearly now. God is bigger than we can grasp. And an experience like COVID can help us to realize that again. 
Job would not have had that revelation if it weren't for what had happened to him. And so an experience like COVID can help us to realise again that God is bigger than we grasp. As I said towards the start, there's no denying that, that COVID has and continues to have an impact on us. When we gather as a church on Sunday, we can't divorce what we do here from what has happened and is happening in the rest of our lives. We bring our, our COVID-affected selves to church. And it's these COVID-affected selves that we offer to each other and in worship to God. And for all the challenges and pain of these COVID times, I want to say they offer us a real opportunity. Because COVID has the potential to make all of our world, any of our world, into a thin place. We're robbed of our own sense of power and control. We see God more clearly. We see him as the one who is on the throne and who is far more than who we had reduced him to in our comfort and ease. And so in this thin place that COVID creates, we are then able to worship him all the more, all all the better. But I recognize, as I've said throughout, that the same sun that melts the ice can bake the clay. And maybe you sit here as clay. And my hope would be, as we've considered the story of Job today, that you'd realize that he's still the same God that you were trusting in and following and believing in and worshiping before COVID hit. And that you'd realize too that he's not abandoned you even in the midst of this. And that then seeing through new eyes, you might see God afresh. And that what has been a thick place for you might become thin again as you behold God and respond to him in worship. And for all of us that we, as Job did, would worship God in and through the pain that we experience. So to that end, let's pray. God, we want to thank you for your word, which is where you reveal yourself to us. You show us what you're like. You show us your ways. You reveal yourself. And as we behold that, we can't help but to respond to you in worship. The more we grasp of who and how you are, the more it humbles us and fills us with awe and wonder that yet you would be our God. And so God, I want to pray for us all in the midst of this COVID time as we continue to navigate both the consequences of how it has worked out in our world in the past and also continue to navigate how it's working out in our world now. God, I I want to pray for all of us that, that we'd be the ice melting rather than the clay baking. That this would be a thin place for us rather than a, a thick one. 
that as Job did, that we could see again that you are the one who is God, not ourselves. And that you have not changed, but you remain faithful and and present and true and good in and through all things. May we bring you all of ourselves, even the bits that are ugly, but may we bring all of ourselves before you that we might come to you as whole people, as genuine people, as authentic people. May we rejoice with the others that you've provided around us and may we lean on them where we need to and their faith and their worship until we can raise our voice to join them again. And may we just grasp that you are more than we could ever imagine, more than we could grasp. And realizing all this, God, may we just worship. There is no other name. And so in the name of Jesus, the one who is always with us, the one who is faithful and true, the one who is the same yesterday, today and forever, in his name we we gather, in his name we worship, and in his name we pray this. Amen.